Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another deep dive episode of Silo by Story Archives, the official number one Silo podcast in the world. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside Zachary Newton, your other host. Welcome back. We're back in style with a deep dive for season one, episode nine of Silo titled The Getaway, Zach. Mm-hmm. And upon rewatch, I've got some more uh, takeaways that I did not share in the instant reaction. Some I'm things excited. that flew right over my head. Right I'm excited, over yeah. my dome. I also want to want to note that it's not just the number one Silo podcast in the world. It's also, well, Silo is the number one show on Apple right now. Oh, yes, it is. It just broke the chart. Did it beat the insurmountable Ted Lasso? It has beaten it again. It's, it's beaten it once, fell down, but we're back up there, man. I think we're going to stay until the uh the season finale here next week i've talked to um a good number of people this week uh irl and they just randomly bring up silo and everyone's watching silo Mm. right now so it's uh it's nice to see the show getting the recognition it deserves so yeah i've been speaking to some people at work i i told them about silo like a week maybe two weeks ago and this morning, they're like, oh, man, I'm so hooked. I, I've just found out it came out on Thursday night, not Friday. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's a little little hack with uh, with every Apple show, pretty much. They're all caught up on it already, just waiting for the next episode, the final episode. So, and they're, they're it's lucky. been catching on, man. Any, anyone catching it now, like if this is your first time tuning into the show, you're lucky because you get to binge nine episodes before next week. But I got to say, I, the reason I like Apple TV, not the only reason, but one of them is that they release episodes week to week. And it just allows you to kind of have that old feeling of when you would look forward to a show week to week. And I get it. You know, sometimes I want to binge too, like anybody. And I love, you know, there's no better feeling when you discover a great show and you look at the categories and you realize you got like two or three seasons there. So that's always a good feeling too. Yeah. Uh, a little housekeeping before we get into it. Uh, we continued our series on Foundation this week, releasing our commentary on season one, episode five of Foundation. And we are midway through that. Uh, series until we get to the premiere of season two on July 14th. And we also dropped a little surprise series this week, commentary uh, commentating on Black Mirror season six, episode one, Joan is awful and Joan will give you nightmares. So uh, let's get into this episode and don't forget, hit the link in our description of the show, join the Soapbox Club. It's totally free. All it takes is about five seconds of your time. And we appreciate any ratings, uh, five-star ratings specifically, and some really nice, uh, you don't even got to write sentences, you know, just put some words in there and throw them our way. It'd be terrific. Great. Awesome. All right. Spot on. Yeah. Excellent. Good looking. Attractive. There we go. That's what Well, they don't know how it. we look. They just know us by our voice. I well, guess they, you can, you well, can very, picture us. Very soon on YouTube, they will. So let's- That's uh, very true. Very true. Let's get into it, Zach. I'm tired of talking about the housekeeping. Let's get into the episode. All righty. Well, do you want to touch on the emails now or later? No, later. I got Alrighty. it. Got a flow in my mind, even flow. All right, let's do this. Okay. You know, they really wasted no time in this episode showing us that Juliet was all right. It was almost it's jarring. I had immediate, to re- like mid-fall and like, wait, what just yeah. happened? I rewound about five times just to see her in midair because I kept on catching it. Like, wait a minute, she's in midair as they start this episode? Yeah. Uh, which I thought she fell four floors. Turns out one floor is like 30 feet. I, she at least fell 30 feet. I literally freeze-framed it. Yeah, it looks like 30 feet, that's for sure. She Which should at the I very least have be a good. bit more damage, right? Like at the broken very an least, ankle, a foot or something. At the very least, she should be concussed. The way she slammed her head on that on that pavement, I was... Yeah, yeah. 
It's all the training for Mission Impossible. She, you know, she can just do this all day. Yeah. Now, I don't believe we are on the floor where she lands that is uh, level 17. Uh, I believe this is a different floor. And I would love to know, maybe somebody out there knows, how on earth is she traversing these levels without going through the stairs? Is there like a ventilation system that she knows about? They should have at least shown that once. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a thing. Maybe she was just sneaky. That's what I'll chalk this one up to. Yeah. One of the patterns I noticed in this episode upon rewatch was there's kind of like two dynamics going on here. Um, Bernard is kind of testing Sims in this moment, right? Because Bernard is feeling the heat as well from whoever he's worried about. And we'll get into that later because I also noted another uh, thing about Bernard. But he is pretty much holding a promotion over Sims' head of being his shadow, you know? So now Sims is kind of in Trumbull's case here where he is possibly not going to get the promotion he's been working towards. And apparently that is the one ambition of both him and his wife. Secondly... What the pattern is, is he's kind of, Sims is sort of doing the same thing to Billings because at the start of this episode, he says, uh, how does she get away? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And to me, Sims is to Billings as Bernard is to Sims in a way. So yeah. there's kind of like that dynamic going on. And that's perfect timing to read an email from, came in from Carla from Brazil. Uh, not Carla, Karen from Brazil. Uh, let's let's get into it. Because she makes a great point about Billings, one of which I picked up, the other I did not pick up. She put, uh, I got the feeling that Billings was threatening his wife. Later in this episode, you see he tells a story about how he knocked some kid's teeth in because mm. he was trying to relate to him about his syndrome. And the, upon watching it the first time, I also kind of got a, a little bit of a hint of fear in Billings' wife because she looked like she was a little threatened. Mm. Um because the story almost felt like he was saying, if you say something about my syndrome, like I'll do to you what I did to that kid or maybe worse. It felt a bit, she, Karen mentions it, she looks scared and you can see it on her face. But to be honest, I don't think Billings is the type of guy who would strike his wife. I don't, I don't see it. I don't think so either. I, the way that I interpreted that was, I mean, he was just expressing how hard he's fought to get to where he is now. Like he doesn't want to, you know, just give it up, let it go. I don't think it was necessarily a threat towards his wife. But I mean, I, I think in, in most situations, if if you were the wife or something like this and your husband was sitting over there just like raging mad, yeah, you'd probably be like a little like, eh, it's, it's intimidating. It's not like necessarily that you're scared of him per se, but I could see the, the element of, you know, just in, in intimidation in the conversation. Yeah, the more interesting point that Karen brings up, at least more interesting to me, is she points out this this difference between Sims and Billings. One of the dynamics of Sims is in this episode, Bernard is holding him accountable for caring about his family over the silo. Mm-hmm. But in this little speech that Billings gives to his wife where she is pleading with him to take a less physical job, a job that won't put his family at risk, he is choosing the silo yeah. or his own ambitions over his family. So we take Billings as the good guy, but there are certain moments in this episode where you start to feel like Sims is almost ashamed of himself for how much he feels like, like how much he cares more about his family than the silo, right? Yeah. And I think Billings, is, it's not so much that he doesn't care about his family either. Um, I think he's grappling with the fact that he's been persecuted his entire life and been in hiding his entire life with this syndrome that seems to only affect him minorly, not something that should 
bar him from certain jobs in the in the silo. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Billings is bad, right? Like, I I don't you know interpret this that way. I, I think that is a very interesting point that you bring up, though. I, I now that you mention it, I do kind of see this difference in in who's prioritizing what. But I still think this is just a symptom of look, he's fought so hard to get here. He's upset. I get it. It makes yeah. sense. Continuing Karen's email, she says, and I agree with this statement as well. Wasn't it easier for everybody if Holston had just said to Juliet everything he found out before he went to clean? <laughs> All this nightmare on Juliet's life is happening because of him. Laugh out loud. Bernard is becoming my favorite character. Should I be worried about my personal values? Because <laughs> I like the villain more than the good guys. And then she puts, I don't like Sim's son though. He is so mean wishing Juliet to be sent to clean. Yeah. Uh, awesome podcast. Thank you, Karen. I love that email. I appreciate uh, it. That was awesome. What else can we expect from Sim's son? I mean, he's growing up brainwashed. He knows this woman has just threatened his mother. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who cares about their mother would have this. Uh, and he's growing up as Sims as his dad, right? So he's growing up with those same characteristics of being protective. Yeah, uh, I would wish harm upon somebody who put wished, who put my family in harm, or I felt they put me in harm for sure. I, I'm I'm sure I would as well. However, I I got that weird feeling from from his son too. Like it was just like, eh, it was cringe. It was yeah. a little. It was a little too mean for this little kid. And you know, yes, yeah, sure, Sims is your dad and all. I get the feeling that like behind closed doors, like Sims is a much nicer human being. Like him and his wife seem to kind of, I guess, coddle the child a little bit. Like it, like they're trying to be very nice and raise the child very well. At least that's that's what it seemed like to me. So it's kind of, it was surprising to see that reaction from him, at least him take it to that extent. Let's pause for a moment because we've glossed over some scenes that have come by that were important. Um I think that moment with the son was supposed to be a moment for Sims to see the the Monsters what he creating. Yeah, what he is creating is yeah. is is not healthy for a kid to feel that way about anybody when he knows the reason I think he's scared that she's in his apartment is because he knows what he would do. Right? Mm-hmm. What would Sims do in that situation if the if the roles were flipped? Yeah. He'd probably hurt her family or kill her family or do something crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, she could have killed the the his wife if he wanted to, if she wanted to. She had a gun. She could she could have slit her throat open if she wanted yeah, to. But she didn't. She she spared her she spared his family and now he owes her one. Whether he believes it or not, he owes her one because he she absolutely could have killed um yeah. his family. And I had a point about his wife and it's later in the episode we'll get to it, but let's get over some of the scenes that we glossed over here. We are introduced to this red blinking key fob on Bernard's uh, person that we don't get an answer to, but there's plenty to assume is being implied because he's implying to Sims that they are facing a major threat here. Later in the episode, clarifying that that threat is we are facing extinction. Mm. Now, I said it several episodes ago before we found out about janitorial, when we just found out about janitorial that Sims is acting like a guy with a boss. Yeah. Bernard in this episode reeks of a guy who has a <laughs> boss. Okay. Now it feels like, you know, you know, we're just getting deeper and deeper into the conspiracies here of who's in charge. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
I wonder what the repercussion would be. You know, is the number 18, does it represent that they are one of several silos? Are they silo number 18? Is that why the hard drive is labeled 18? I think that's the, the that's what I believe personally. But I'm wondering what is the system in place and how do the powers that be already know that something's going wrong in their silo? And why mm-hmm. did it stop blinking red later? We can get yeah. to that after. Yeah, I, I kind of took this whole keychain thing at first when I saw it as they are in silo number 18. The thing that, you know, I, I will admit is throwing me though, is the fact that the drive is also named or numbered 18. And that's the bit that's just making me wonder like, is it tied more so to the drive or is it tied to this being potentially silo number number 18? Or is all of it related? Maybe that's that's the case as well. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, there's so much to find out and maybe some that won't even be answered in the end of the season. But mm-hmm. uh, another point about Billings, he is very similarly in a position like Juliet was, searching for answers without clarity. He knows that she was up to stuff, but she doesn't. he doesn't know why she's acting the way she's acting and how much she's hiding. Mm-hmm. And now he let her go accidentally because he had a syndrome episode yeah and he's beating himself up for it but he's in his search to try to make things right by catching her i think his eyes are opened to realize there's a certain look he gives when he's looking through the georgia travel guide later that we can talk about that he looks like a guy who realizes oh this is why she's acting the way she's acting this is why she's doing what she's doing and I want, we'll talk about that more later. So the Raiders show up. They start to go to the different places, um, different people who are connected to Juliet, who she's been in contact with. They go to Martha's place, um, which I'm wondering if Martha knew in advance they were coming because she has way too many relics and incriminating things in there. And then they go to Peter Nichols' place. And I'm trying to make sense of what meaning his conversation with that woman who's in the nursery has on anything here. But... It's such a random conversation and encounter to to um to see before they they storm in that it makes me wonder or maybe it's just it's there to show that these people these Gestapo who burst through the door are monsters. They're bursting in through like the most innocent place in the entire silo. Mm-hmm. And this douchebag of a raider says, "Where is your what does he say to him?" "Where's your daughter? Where is she?" Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as lame as that. He's very lame. Very lame. Yes. But Sims comes in as, you know, kind of the good cop and this good cop, bad cop moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Sims in this episode, although it doesn't show too often on his face, we are learning a lot about Sims here without too much having gone on. We, mm-hmm. He's trying to play the part of a guy who puts the silo in front of his family while here he is threatening a man and threatening his family. And I, did you, now that you've gotten some time to rewatch it, Zach, what are your thoughts on Hannah Nichols? Was she killed or was it suicide? Because in part of the threat, you're assuming Sims has done background on Nichols. So he knows that he has been pretty much under uh, ra- um, judicial control for a long yeah. time, right? Yeah. It, it makes you wonder, uh, does he know what happened to Hannah? And does he know that this guy is familiar with threats because his wife was either killed or she committed suicide? Well, what do you think? Did she go over the railing voluntarily or involuntarily? If I had to put money on it, I would say she went over voluntarily. 
I she just seemed like a broken person after the whole raid and the microscope being broken. I can't it, see it's, I can't see Hannah Nichols leaving her daughter behind in this situation. I mean, we, we get little bits and pieces of how, you know, from both uh, you know, Juliet's father and some of the, the little things that we saw in the episode Hannah where after the raid, I mean, again, she didn't even want to repair her own chair, which was something that was, seemed like habitual for her to do, which was repair things, fix things. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't do that anymore. So if she was doing things like that and was still fixing things and was why going do you about bring up, life normally, Why do you bring up the chair? Why do you bring up the chair? Well, it was just, it was a prominent thing that we know that she left unfinished and that she didn't fix. So you're saying she had lost her will to live because if that's how she was a handy person, she still then... would have fixed it. I, I guess I get that. It just feels like something's missing in her story, and and maybe it's not. Maybe she just had reached that sort of hopeless place of despair. But well, and, and I think none of us would want that to happen, and w- none of us would want that to be no, the case. I, that, that's I, why I compare it's hard to believe. I compare this to the nasty stuff you hear about George after he's been dead, right? And then we mm-hmm. get clarity on now with the video that we see in this episode. You want to believe, like, somehow finding out that she was killed would be better than finding out that she killed herself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, just for the sake of confirming how evil this regime is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote something down here. Sims really lets Nichols off easy, despite not getting the answers he's looking for. Did you find that weird that... All he says is, I have no idea where my daughter is, and then he just lets him go. Maybe he knew he was telling the truth. Yeah, but that's a bit much to assume when you have Bernard locking up Lucas under lock and key later. It's true. I'm not quite sure. I mean, maybe maybe it was just his good sign, right? Like, maybe you just caught him in the right moment. I'm not sure. Did I, I miss mean, something? Again, in, in his defense, Dr. Nichols, I mean, he hasn't seen Juliet in over 20 years until yeah. last week, like he says, so... It I, seems like a believable thing to me. We meet Sims's wife for the first time, which if you can pull up the IMDb, they never mention her first name in this in this episode. Um, so I would like to know what it is. They're walking back from school and work, but it's closed. So I don't know if I missed, was there a holiday or something? Why was it, was the school closed? Is it because they're looking for Juliet? Maybe. That was just a random question I had because if there was no work in school, why would Sims send an escort? Camilla Sims. What? Camille Sims. Camille, okay. Camille yeah. or Camilla? Well, it's it's spelled C-A-M-I-L-L-E. So I'm assuming Camille. it's Camille. Camille. Camille, something like that. Played by Alexandria Riley. Okay. I wanted to make a more lighthearted note about the Sims family. It seems grilled cheese survived whatever above ground apocalypse was out there. Grilled cheese is universal. It lives forever because what she's making her son for lunch is grilled cheese. That's what she offers him. So mm-hmm. good to know guys, if we're in the ground somewhere 50 years from now, there will we'll still, still be grilled, grilled cheese. cheese. That's good. I'd, I'd love to know where the cows are in the silo. I don't think we've seen them yet. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions of where they fit everything in the silo, but it is a massive silo considering that the one floor Juliet nosedived from was at least 30 feet. Yeah. Just the, a, just the separation between the staircases. It was a solid drop there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess we know the, uh, the silo had to have been established before 
our current day today because otherwise it'd be manufacturing meat. It'd be Bill Gates meat, buggy. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the math here. If there's 144 floors in the silo, which there's more, and each one is 30 feet tall, that would make the silo three times or four times larger than the Empire State Building. Wow. Or is that crazy? No, 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 no. It can't be right. It can't be right. I mean, 144 times what? 30 is 4,320 feet. 4,320 feet, right? Yeah. Height of the Empire State Building. In feet is 1,250 feet. Yes. I mean, it'd be about three times bigger. Assuming the floor is 30 feet. Assuming it's 30 feet separation between each floor. That's pretty deep. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Uh, Derailed there, Michael Scott. Yeah, just a little bit. I was... All right. It was thrown. Why why doesn't Camille Sims want the Raiders to enter her home? That was a question for me because uh, why not just allow them into your home? Are you hiding something? So that was one of the things that made me think, are they kind of like, they, they just seem like very, very overprotective parents. That or maybe they're not bad. Maybe there is something that's kind of good that they're doing that the, the reason- let's just say Bernard would not approve of and they might be arrested for having certain things. They may be, maybe they've got certain relics in here. The reason I said it was because it's not like she knew Juliet was in there, right? No, she did not. So why not just let them in for a moment? I don't know. I can understand why she would be protective about not letting them in because like, F you, you're not going to come into my home. Mm-hmm. But your husband sent these people. If they do anything to even try to harm you, they're going to be killed, you yeah. know? Uh, which it just threw me off. Just And I say that because later on, she has a conversation with Sims that is a little eyebrow raising mm-hmm. when they talk about their one ambition. Mm-hmm. Okay, when their one goal is, you know? Yeah. Um, do you think it, do you think it's taking over the silo or do you think it's protecting their child? Or maybe it's both you know, and the, more. the great both, combination of both. <laughs> both and more. Who knows? Another thing, she carries a gun in her purse. All right, is everyone allowed to carry a gun and why I mean, I does her so, no. gun have one bullet? She says it has one bullet. Why would it have one? Is it for someone else or is it for her? If they catch her and she has some information that they're trying to get from her. That that's an interesting point. I didn't think about it that way. I kind of thought it was just, look, it's a rare thing. You're not supposed to have it anyways. One bullet. I'm sure the ammunition is very limited here. So just, maybe that's all she was able to keep. There was a great video game on the PS3, the PlayStation 3, mm-hmm. that I bought years ago, probably more than 10 years ago. And the concept of the game was post-apocalyptic. Okay. And ammunition was impossible to come by but the game had this mechanic that was so far ahead of its time where you people don't know how many bullets you have in your gun Mm -hmm. so you would come into a compound and there might be seven bandits in there but guns are so rare that they got pipes so you can literally point your gun at them and like back them (laughs) off you know if you shoot one maybe the other one's like you you know you only got like two bullets left and you got you're fighting five or six dudes but they don't know how many bullets you have left. So you would kind of move through this compound trying to like tell people to hands up, move around, <laughs> you know, like these bandits or whatever. But that's, that's pretty a, interesting. It sort of reminded me of that with the one bullet, not that she would use it in that way. Huh. 
it sort of made me think more about why just one bullet. You figure Sims has to have access to more than one bullet. Yeah, I imagine he would, but I mean, his wife is an ex, what was it, Riot? What, what do they call these people? Raider. Uh, she was an ex-Raider, so I don't know if you're allowed to retain these weapons but after one the bullet, fact. One yeah. bullet? That's not going to help you very much, pal. No, just, just intimidation. That's about it. I also have a little bit of jealous rage about this apartment. They live 17 floors underground. And somehow this apartment looks like it has more natural light than my own. <laughs> it's all of the big screens and just daylight lighting. It's just it, it's it's not like a tungsten light. It's daylight temperature. Wild. Anyways, uh, Juliet's at Sims' apartment for one reason and one reason alone. It happens to coincide with the fact that it's the probably the least likely place anybody would expect her but also a place with a computer that is capable of opening up this top secret hard drive. Yeah. It's a, it's a, again, I mentioned it in the reaction. It's a very intelligent spot to go. I think it's the last place anybody would look. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bernard, I think pondering his next move of what he's going to do because his key fob is now not blinking anymore so you've bent to my perception of this i see no i haven't because i i made note of something additional i almost went to the dark side and then i came back <laughs> to the light uh he pours himself a drink looks at the drink he goes to raise it to his mouth mm -hmm. and puts it back down and pours it back in the vessel the reason i came back to the light side and didn't agree with you what you said you said you know, you know, you ever come home and you want to pour yourself a drink and you pour yourself a drink and then you have this great idea. Yep. And you're like, wait, I can't drink yet. I'm going to go work on this idea. Yeah. I, almost, I almost went there. But then I noticed that he also pours the exact same whiskey or whatever drink he's drinking Lucas. into Lucas's cup. It's the mm -hmm. same container. So to me, he says, eh, let me see if the whiskey's poisoned. Let me interrogate this guy. And he never takes a sip. I watched closely. Bernard never takes a sip of the whiskey. Did Lucas Once. sip it though? No, he did not. And why would Lucas sip it? He just found out in the previous episode that Mayor John, Mayor Johns and Marnes were murdered. They didn't die of exhaustion. True. So he, you know, he's smarter than he, than he acts. Bernard has some great lies for all of these little things though. Again, oh. the sensor, the air quality monitor, gotta love it. Yeah. Calling the camera behind the mirror is the air quality sensor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Billings attempts to go to Juliet's apartment and, you know, it's kind of a gloss over. He runs into an old student who gives him the lowdown and it kind of becomes clear to me that the Raiders are definitely aware of the cameras monitoring people's rooms. And yes. it's, not so, it's not as much of a small secret with a handful of people as I previously believed. I, I mean, I figured already all the Raiders knew, but it's at least an entire department. Which also leads me to believe that anybody who knows about it isn't being monitored because Sim's apartment is not being monitored, clearly. Otherwise, they uh, would know about Juliet. Well, didn't... I, I, I thought when uh, Camille walked into the apartment, she noticed that there was glass on the floor. And I thought that was... Was it the sensor or was that the camera? I kind of thought it was the camera. Mm, I'm not sure. I don't think there's a camera in Sims' apartment. But I will say, uh, I'm wondering what Judge Meadows is up to. 
Just she's she's just chilling, drinking some just, screwdrivers. She's just man. a puppet, huh? She has no because they're putting up the orders to to investigate uh, the sheriff's apartment, Juliet's apartment. Yeah, and it says by order of Judge Meadows. So she is like the absolute fall woman here. Yeah, she's nowhere to be seen either. Yeah, I'm sure she's still locked in her apartment. Uh, Billings in Sherlock Holmes mode go breaks into the apartment, jams the door, and discovers a piece of two-way glass or a two-way mirror, right? Where he's able to see that mm-hmm. he can see his reflection and then he flips it around and sees through and sees the light. Yeah. So, he's being, he's finding out some st- stuff that maybe he did not want to find out because at the end of the day, this guy is a pack junkie, right? He's not so much on any one side. He's on the pack side. Mm-hmm. But even he has a moment of of a lapse in faith when later in this episode he shoves that pact in his drawer and shuts it in such a way like like a I'm vampire done. like a vampire avoiding the light yeah right yeah you know back to the whole comment you made about a lot of people must know about these these cameras i'm a little confused honestly by who knows because billings worked for judicial before he even got into this you know current role that he's in he doesn't seem to know anything about it it seems but then there's a bunch of these raiders that do it seems to be there's two tracks in judicial the track that knows about this stuff and the track that does not seems like he went down the path that does not so who knows maybe he's he didn't go down that path maybe the reason he doesn't know is because he's such a pack junkie he knows all of this violates the pact right Mm. That's maybe interesting. He, maybe he would be a whistleblower. He he's the guy that's got the book smarts, not the street smarts. Yeah, he he has he's he's straight and narrow. You know, like mm-hmm. he's not going to bend the rules. He's a he wants to play by the book because the book got us here, right? Yeah. So, all right, let's keep it moving. How about when you uh, handcuff somebody to a pipe? You check their pockets for a key. Or look back every few minutes. I mean, she took the handcuffs <laughs> from her, right? Yeah, she took the handcuffs from no, Camille. I think she took. Didn't she take the handcuffs from Sims? Did or she something take, like she that? She took them from Sims. They were. Are you sure about that? I I'm not 100 percent sure. No, I'm not. I I don't think that she took it from Camille. Though I don't think she had any. Yeah, I'm not quite so, sure. Well, somehow she had a key in her pocket, so I don't see how. It wasn't a key. Were, it was like a little. She was like trying to pick the lock. Oh, I see. I yeah. See. Yeah, it was like a little it was a little tool that she had in her pocket. I'm not sure what it was. All right, it's time for my Pez Epiphany All with right. Billings. Pez Epiphany. He's not <laughs> find he hasn't found any clues about Juliet's whereabouts by searching her apartment, but he remembers the Pez dispenser. And last episode I was kind of giving him crap, like, oh, how convenient. Like the Pez dispenser has nothing to do with this fake wall, you know? But then I thought to myself. Juliet had to have left it here for Billings. She left the Georgia Travel Guide for him because what would the one thing that he would, would come to mind when searching for something in an apartment would be? Mm-hmm. It would be, remember she, when she planted that Pez dispenser in the, in the bathroom cabinet? Mm-hmm. And he would, be, he would be the only person to really think about that. Yeah. So I think this is her Holston way of letting him in on what's going down. And this is his way of knowing that she does trust me. Because when he looks at this thing, he burns it first and foremost, 
which is, I think, a way to protect. I don't know if it's a way to protect her or not, but the way he looks on his face is not like somebody who is still mad at her. It looks like somebody who understands now Mm -hmm. that she is onto something bigger than, than both of them put together. I think when he pieces together the cameras and the spying and all of that, yeah, that he is onto something. And he does rip out a page that we don't get to see what it is. And I think we'll find out on the finale, hopefully, what that page is. Hopefully. Yeah. I imagine. I imagine that we will. You know, the one thing with Juliet and Holston's hiding places, man, is they are putting some tremendous faith in other people to find oh these things. Oh my God, everybody like, in this holy show. Holy crap. <laughs> everybody in this show is like, when I'm dead and on the other side of the afterlife, I'm going to leave this video on this hard drive that nobody's been able to open for years and assume that my my girlfriend is going to get promoted to sheriff in the silo and come across the people she needs to meet in order to open. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, and hide it deep down at a vent hanging by a fishing line. Good yeah. Lord, man. Good <laughs> Lord. To, to Karen's point, Holston could have brought everything down to the hole and had just one conversation with her and said, hey, I'm going to go outside. Um, here's a signal if it's cool. Here's a signal if it's bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways. Well, we get to one of the one of the best scenes in the episode, I think. Which is which is Bernard's interrogation of Lucas. Mm. This is this is the one that sticks in my head the most. Why? Because Tim Robbins is just intimidating. I love yeah. it. Like it's great. Like he he just he owns this so well. Comes out of nowhere. It's like that one person that you think they're nice and they just snap on you. It's the first time really. I mean, we've seen two people who don't really snap snap in this episode, which is Billings and Bernard. Mm-hmm. But to your point, this is this is Bernard who feels out of control. I mean, he go, he went from containing the threat to now everything's spiraling out of control. And here's Lucas, and Lucas has stumbled into the biggest headache that he could have never imagined. <laughs> Unless he's really good at playing dumb. I don't think so. He's just a normal guy, passing the time, fell in love with a cute girl who became sheriff, and then boom. Now he's being threatened with going down to the scavenge room, to the mines. He's even been threatened to, take, to go outside to have to clean. Yeah. This poor guy looks like he's going to just completely shit himself. I think I think anybody would if you're being threatened with death for not doing anything. Well, right? that's why I don't think he's good at playing dumb. I just I, I I think he's I think he was completely truthful in the last episode, but he's already screwed. I just love characters who play a certain way and then they come back and they're a completely different person. I love mm-hmm. characters like that in books and shows and movies. It's fun. It's the curveball. It, it always yeah. adds intrigue. Yeah, well, Bernard finds out that he gets the information he's looking for because he doesn't quite know what information he's looking for in this conversation, but it leads to the hard drive and it leads to Bernard wanting to know which number was on the hard drive, which makes me believe that this hard drive 18 has been a relic that's been gone or lost for many years Mm -hmm. that has been a threat to the silo and they didn't know where it was. Or maybe they were in fear that it would come out and would put the silo at risk or put them at risk of extinction. But I can't get over this freaking Nazi hand gesture that <laughs> uh, that Tim Robbins does in this scene for a solid few minutes. Yeah. Pointed straight at Lucas, right? Yeah. 
It's literally the entire time he's asking him questions. Yeah. But to your point, it is definitely the scene-stealing performance of the episode is Tim Robbins in this scene, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the whole, again, going back to the whole key fob thing, 18, finding out that the, that the hard drive is number 18. I had a moment where I was thinking, like, does the key fob light up? when this thing becomes connected and somebody was looking into the hard drive, but no looking at the times when it was flashing and when the hard drive was on and connected, it didn't seem like there was any correlation there. No, I don't believe there is. I do not believe there is because of the timeline that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think Billings tore out of the travel guide? a good question i feel like he paused on some sort of like cityscape or something previously but i don't think it's anything that we've seen so i would just be completely speculating on what other pages might be in that guide only one page in that whole beautiful book i mean i would have stolen the page of the beach what would you have taken the whole book yeah yeah. I probably would have ripped the front cover off just because it looks ugly. <laughs> but I'd like the I like the photos. I would have taken the whole book. There's no way I'm burning burning the book. Unless he has another reason why he burned it. There's no way I burn that book. Yeah. Like in, in that silo, that book is worth dying for. Because that information is worth like it's it's priceless. If that book is one of the last remaining reminders of what's above ground you have a duty to protect that book. Yeah. That's the way I'd see it. But you have to also understand that Billings is having his whole entire existence shattered with some of the truths he's figuring out here. Uh, yeah. You know, Bernard, going to the, the part in the episode where him, Sims, go down to the janitorial watcher's room, Bernard doesn't seem like a guy who has any familial attachments or any romantic relationships. Yeah. Because he's not able to to empathize with somebody who has who's who cares about his family more no. than the silo. Which yeah, he, he is the guy that's put the silo above any family he's previously had for sure. Yeah, it makes me believe that whoever he chooses as his shadow has to be somebody who's pretty much familyless, like yeah. just that the silo is their family. You see, now there, we just passed the scene a moment ago where they were in this control room. And this guy turns around and it's like, oh, we found her. If you can pause she's for a in, moment. She's in, uh, or on, on floor 17 in apartment, blah, blah, blah. And then Sims obviously realizes it's his own apartment and immediately does a 180 and bolts out the door. The thing that he should have done before he ran out the door is turn to Bernard and said, see, that's why. <laughs> you got a great Own point it. there. Pretend you knew. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, if he knew, then. Well, yeah, you know. but I mean, it, it, it's a, it was a great, I mean, I think it would have been a great excuse here. It's like, that's where I sent people. Like, you're giving me shit for sending protection to my apartment. What, what, makes, what reels me in that scene or what makes me ask questions is Bernard has a very specific choice of words when he says, we are facing extinction. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, he definitely believes that the outside is screwed up. The, the the outside is not clean. Either yeah. that or he believes that there is a power that will wipe them out in the silo. 
So I'm not exactly sure why he he used those words. We are facing extinction. Well, I, I have think, a feeling he believes in, in what he's doing. I think he does believe in what he's doing. I think it's very possible that he believes outside is, is very bad. I think that's probably more likely than maybe there being some other control room that could push a button and leak a bunch of poisonous gas into the silo. Like I, I would, I would say it's probably just dangerous outside more than, than the other thing I just mentioned. Um, but if I remember correctly, back when they had the, uh, what the revolution, right? What, 140 years ago or so, the concern was if they open those doors, right? If enough people ask these questions and, and you, you open up the door, like, you're going to kill everybody. You're, you're going to let whatever this poison or whatever this bad stuff is that's on the outside into the silo. Whether or not, again, it's actually bad outside or not, I don't know. But that's what I feel he believes. I just I have a feeling that they, they truly believe that they're upholding the necessary requirements here to keep everybody alive. I just mm -hmm. whether, it's rigor, whether it's like oppressive or whatever word you want to use, yes. But I think they do think what's on the outside is, is dangerous. Uh, Juliet opens the hard drive. Uh, she sees a video from George, which uh, begins, but she's not able to watch it completely yet because Sim's wife has broken free with her, her little pick lock situation, right? Mm-hmm. Sneaking up real quiet. Yeah. And it, this, this raised a lot of questions for me too. Uh, she chooses to save Juliet here for some reason. and. Yeah. My thought, I mean, she tells her, listen, the, the moment you plug that thing in, they knew where you were. Juliet's kind of lucky that it's taken this long for them to go down there. But something, somewhere between picking up that hammer and heading over to Juliet, uh, Camille decided that she was going to let her go. Now, I believe Sims tells her everything that he does in his job based off of the conversations they, they have in this episode mm -hmm. um, and the way they, they communicate about his work life together yeah could it be that she allows jules to live because she recognizes the man on the video as george and she knows that judicial and his her husband had something to do with his death that's a good i, I think that's a good observation i i didn't think about her recognizing george necessarily and more so being surprised at what the heck is on the screen right now like obviously something is going on it could be that she recognized george totally yeah, my my thought process was that possibly she's known about something here, but all right. Well, as we know, Sims is on his way down to his apartment, and something very peculiar begins to happen to the cameras. They all start to shut off um, from floor to floor, which to me indicates that somebody is working to protect Juliet. Uh, it it does it it does look that way. I I had to roll this back for a moment because you can go even you see further. That? So if they go out too. They go out too fast for them to be being manually shattered. That's why I don't believe they're being manually shattered. See, but if if you do go back and you're if if you're watching you're, the show and seconds. you go to minute thirty three, yeah, second, but go, go back even further. You're going too far. You got to go. Back. I will. I mean, there's a lot going out. Even I, further. I know that. I know there's a lot going out, but there is. Dude, there's too fast, man. You got, okay, you say, right. What do you yes, have? You saying Bolt running got, through the silo with a hammer? No, no, no. They've got grain and, and all of this stuff all over it. It looks like they glitch out. But there's this one that Bernard is looking at of this back door. And it looks like someone smacked it. 
It looks like it got hit with something. It does look like somebody smacked that one, but you know, yeah. unless the other you got, ones, I don't think so. The other ones, I think, like somebody shut them off somehow, dude. Unless you got the Jamaican track team running like batons with hammers in the silo, <laughs> there's nothing fast enough that could break all of those cameras. There's just nothing. no, no, no. Yeah, I, look, I think all of them except the last one were being shut off, like I don't know, remotely or something like that. But that last one, man. I can't get over it. It looks like somebody smashed it. It looks like someone swung something up and hit it. The last one, yes, it does. Yeah. Which makes me wonder why that one door. Maybe that was the one door that she snuck out of or something like that. Maybe. And who would know? Who would know at the exact moment she's leaving that, that place? Who's watching her? Hmm. It has to be someone in this room. Yeah, I imagine. It, somebody in the room or somebody with a, in the room and has a connection outside, I would imagine. Yeah. No idea. Has to be, it has to be outside help, I will say that. Yeah, but I don't think it's a redhead boy. No, it's not a redhead Zuck. All right. This is our neighborhood hacker here who does not get his bag checked by the silo stairwell doing, supposed to do his one job of checking bags and stopping traffic. He lets this guy through who's able to actually mess with janitorial by bouncing which um, floor the hard drive is being opened on. So he has all of the tools in, uh, with him. And he actually works with uh, Patrick Kennedy, who's one of the criminal suspects earlier in the season um, for the death of Mayor Johns. Now, yeah. they both work in the black market, right? Yeah. And they pretty much move relics around and other things that are, I guess, illegal to buy and sell in the silo. But... Um, Patrick has decided to help Juliet here. And I, I don't, and I think it's more than just she saved him. I think it's all because they genuinely have like a little kinship, a little friendship brewing here. What do yeah. you think? I completely agree. I, I really liked the dynamic between <laughs> specifically the two guys here, but I think they all three could could work together. Like, I, like this is like the A yeah. team of Silo at this point. I, I think we're going to see them collaborate maybe a little bit more. Yeah. And it's interesting because they both knew George before they knew her. Yeah. Right. So they both have a track record with George Wilkins and um, the redhead IT guy who you said his name is Danny. Right. I do believe the name. He seems to have been a work colleague with George at some point. Yeah. I'll double check that. I believe his name is Danny. Billings, meanwhile, has finished going through the travel guide and he looks. Like a man who's come across some revelations in his life and he chooses to burn the Georgia travel guide while keeping one image, one page. Something makes him know. retract it from the oven to take one page out and he goes to one page. I saw a lot of blue in that Yeah, page. so did I. So did I. I wonder what but it is. I can't tell too much more beyond that. It's definitely not the white side. It's the blue side that he's that he's hiding. Interested yeah. in. And the, the guy's name is Danny, by the way. Okay. He's played by Will Merrick. Will Merrick. His name sounds familiar. I got to look up what else he's been in. He's in a few things. He's he was in uh, Skins. If you ever watched that no, show back in the day, never watched Skins. Okay, they read the drive. They redirect the signal to floor ninety eight, which I thought was a bad move personally. Because it's impossible to move that many floors that quickly. Unless you jump. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they could have at least rerouted it to a floor 
a little more reasonable yeah so that they could have sent people that way and diverted them even further but keep bouncing it every few minutes like go online then go offline and go online again we hear from george who pretty much assuages all of juliet's worst fears that she was used till his death and he confesses that he was in love with juliet even though he did go down there with the intention of using whoever he needed to to find out the information about that hole and the door that he found at the bottom which happens to be about 15 feet tall and made of metal, and he could not get through it. He also notes that the water that Juliet is terrified of, there was nothing to be worried about, which either means that he learned how to swim very quickly or it's about a foot deep in uh, depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a foot deep. He gives her the directive, though, to find the door. Now, we have our thoughts about how this season ends. I feel like it ends at that door somehow. On the and other I don't, side of that door. And, and I don't think we're getting any answers, which is going to leave us going crazy for about a year until whenever season two comes out. Yeah, but I am looking forward to season two. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the finale first. Yeah, I did write down side note. I don't, how on earth did he know she was going to watch this? Like, how did she, he know that she was going to get her hands on that hard drive? Well, he does start off... He left it saying, to her, I know. But. Well, he was expecting to be sitting next to her while she was watching this. Right? That is something that he does say in the beginning of this recording. But because he's not there, at this point, I'm sure it's just, it's he's hoping that it would be her that would see this. Because that's the only person that he's recording it for. So, I don't know that he necessarily knew. But I think this would, I think this would have been an adventure that they would have gone on together if he did not get killed. Yeah. Let's go to Sims and his wife talking. Because George gives the directive to watch the specific video of the Jane Carmody cleaning file. Mm-hmm. Sims and his wife meet, and she admits to him that she let Juliet go. And her reasoning was that she didn't want a bunch of raiders with their fingers on the trigger. That doesn't make any sense to me because she didn't think anybody was in her home. Mm-hmm. So what reason would they have for pulling a trigger? So she well not not the raiders from before, right? The raiders from when Sims was coming. Yeah, they didn't. Can, she can didn't you rewind want them it? to get trigger happy there? Can you rewind it ten seconds? Yeah. One more. We have one goal, one ambition, and we will not lose sight of that. When she reminds Sims of that. He looks down in consideration of what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's at that moment he tells her that Bernard found out that he he sent an escort to shadow them or Mm -hmm. to um, to take them home, which is a big no-no. Yeah. I I think it's specifically a big no-no considering it was the silo. Well, she seems to be coaching extinction at this exact moment in time. Well, she seems to be coaching him through what to do next with what Bernard said, Mm. right? Do you think so, she's somehow related to Bernard? No, I think that there's something deeper going on here. There's a reason why it's necessary for him to to have that position. And I don't think it's something shallow like getting the most power in the silo. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's that. Yeah, I think there's something more. Yeah. So I've come to the conclusion I do not think that Sims is evil completely. I think there's some deeper motivations going on here, which is how I like my characters. Complicated. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to the file itself. Juliet opens the file 
and they see outside what Allison saw and what George saw, which is that the outside looks beautiful. There's life there's, that's surviving out there because we see birds. Mm-hmm. And Jane Carmody, who's speaking on the video, we don't know how she's speaking in this video and how this footage got back to the silo yet. But she says that the cafeteria screen is a lie. And we can bring up now an email from a listener uh, named BJ. Ooh. Who says, the birds and clouds are the same in Jane's video and Holston's. Slightly different angles. I like where this is going. What if they aren't outside at all? Just in a VR dome or bubble that displays outside as green and lush. No bodies because they are not in the bubble. They are digitally removed and only seen on the other black and white feed from the screens below. Then they are gassed in that chamber and die. The suit is a phony. Why use a suit at all if you die in three minutes? I agree with that. I've never understood yeah, what the point, point of the suit was. It's a great never point. Understood. That's why I think the suit kills them. Mm-hmm. In episode one, they commented, it has been a long time since someone cleaned. They need to be reminded. Lastly, I often thought the silo has to be further underground than one flight of stairs. The intro scene hints it's deeper than the 20-step walk they take to the surface. Who would build a fallout shelter 15 feet below the surface and let the elite of the elite live on the top levels so close to the surface? Hmm. He makes some damn good points. Yeah. Damn yes, he does. Points. What do you think about that? Well, I don't believe in the VR thing. Oh, I, think, I think you and BJ are off there and I have incentive with the bottle of whiskey with my name on it at the end of the season if I'm right about that. Hey, this so, thing might end in a draw. <laughs> so I will not back down. And I don't think we're going to find this out in season one. I don't uh, think so either. I do believe that the suit is killing them or something within the suit or the gas in, that, in the chamber they walk out in. But I don't see the point of the suit it, it it serves no purpose if you're going to die anyways. So it makes me lean in my direction there. I I could I could make an argument, granted it might not be the strongest, but I could make an argument. And then also, yes, to his point, I don't know. I I feel like if I was the elite of the elite, I would want to live on the top floor. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I want to be closer like a to the position surface. of power. You want to be above everybody. So I don't necessarily agree with him there. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be deeper in the silo. I would want to be like near the top. Yeah. I don't want things to follow me. I, I'd rather myself fall on other people. <laughs> exactly. Right? You know? Sorry. Sorry down there. All right. Well, we finished the clip and that actually leads us to our cliffhanger at the end of the episode. It's pretty much Juliet's reaction to what she's seeing, Danny's reaction and Patrick's who, you know, we continue to see people, everybody's lives just turned upside down and, mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot. And, we have so many characters now who are kind of in limbo. We have Lucas who's being held without being able to talk to anybody. We have Billings who's now his whole, you know, Aladdin, a whole new world has been opened up to him, you know, by looking at this Georgia travel guide and a mysterious page that he took from that guide Mm -hmm. while his syndrome continues to get worse as you see it in this episode. We have Sims considering whatever that one goal and ambition him and his wife have in mind. We have Bernard concerned about that key fob blinking red and facing extinction and just pretty much everything is is in flux right now is the whole silo is kind of in a in a place of unrest with all of the you know the events taking place the sheriff from the sheriff going out to clean to now this sheriff 
now saying supposedly she wants to go out to clean. Yeah. It ain't looking good in the silo right now. Yeah. Well, I am I am really excited for the next episode. I I was wrong in that I thought they were going to pump the brakes a little bit on this episode, but man, I don't feel like this one slowed down at all. Yeah. Well, we have a good email to close out the episode with before we get into categories uh, from Glenn. My theory for the season ending cliffhanger is this. And we're going to talk about some theories about where this show goes in the next episode. Juliet will go down to the lower level where the water is, swim and find the door the video told her about, go through it and surface to find herself in another silo. That is when the episode will end. And my theory for the next season is that the silo Juliet finds herself in is also totally unaware that the first silo exists and is operating under a totally different regime. I think there are multiple silos, each unaware of the other's existence, even though they are right next to each other. What the reasoning is, I have no clue, but that is my theory. As to the cleaning video showing everything to be normal and green outside, there's the matter of the group of birds flying overhead, just as they have have in every other episode of someone going outside to clean. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that scene is being generated inside the helmet somehow. You got another friend there, Zach. Yeah, come on, guys. Bring it on. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Glenn, for the email. I agree with him on how the season's going to end. I don't know if we're going to get that far. I don't know. I totally be- believe that we are not the only silo that exists. I think if there's a silo 18, there has to be a silo 1 through 17 or yeah. 19 through whatever number, right? Mm-hmm. But how close they are to each other and how much one knows about the other is to be determined because there was a revolution that took place inside of silo 18. Yeah. So maybe before other people didn't know about the silos existences and whatever regime took over after that revolution decided that it was safer this way that people don't know about other people's existence. You know? That would be very interesting. I I do think there are definitely other silos. I really especially after this episode I I really do believe that. I don't know if the silos are connected. However, they are pretty damn close to a drill, so that might not actually be so far-fetched. That they're close by? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're literally right next to another massive hole that was dug that this silo sort of connects to. So, you know, actually, may, may, maybe he's right. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if we'll see it at the end of the, of the next episode or anything like that, but I think that's a... I think that's a pretty decent um, theory. The door has to lead somewhere. It, well, that otherwise, it does. Otherwise, why Hopefully would not a brick it be wall, there? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a wall. <laughs> That'd be annoying. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a wall. Okay. Well, All right. into let's, the categories. Let's do it. Favorite character in the episode. I think this is going to be a very one-sided. This response. is tough. This is actually tough. For once, this is tough. It's not Juliet. No, it's not. For me, it's either it's either Billings or Bernard for me. Yeah, I and I want to go. I'm gonna little... go Billings. Okay, I'm I'm happy you went Billings because I'll go Bernard. I think he did a great job. I I I again, I really I think he had a great performance in this one. The next question is best scene, and I, I gave mine away already. For me, it's the Bernard interrogation of Lucas. I think I think mine is all is 
it's seeing George's video, I guess, for the first time and mm. that whole scene when she's finally able to get it open and sees um It's a good second. Sees that he loved her and Yeah. You know, she gets like her She gets a sense of peace yes. over her after this. Yes. I, that, that that is a very good second. Yeah. I like yeah. that. All right, best line. There I gotta say, I didn't catch any lines in this episode that really jumped out at me that much but i do have one that i liked i have um i have billings where he says i'm not limited by what others think i'm allowed to make mistakes and that he is has a that, great one he has that line that is a great one i i, I missed i, I also, forgot about that i also like bernard's quip where he goes into the watcher's room and he says i need you to look for a hard drive 18 he says Sir, but there is no hard drive without nine digits on uh, without nine uh, digits in the serial number. <laughs> he says one eight eighteen. You know, yeah. look for it. You know, I, I like that one. That was funny. I like the uh, the little conversation between Bernard and Sims, where he he goes into we're facing extinction, and you choose to protect your family instead of the silo. Yeah, uh, I never thought that thought. Now I'm wondering if if you should be my shadow. I also thought Nichols had a very powerful moment when he says. There's a on balcony one. There's a there's a portion of Redland that's so smooth, from the you know the, yeah. the hands of people who didn't want to go over. I thought that was a powerful line as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it, the bottom of that silo should be a little more damaged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody should be walking around with some yeah. like steel umbrellas, like having a mental breakdown. <laughs> For real, man. All right. Any oh, other man. categories left or no? That is all I have got. Okay. Well, that about does it. Thank you for tuning in to, once again, another deep dive episode of Silo by Story Archives. Uh, Zach, you will do the more uh, polished outro. But once again, I will remind you that we have several other shows this week as well. We are doing episode two of season six for Black Mirror, as well as episode six for Foundation season one, as we gear up for season two of Foundation. And um, join us on that one. We definitely want to see as much engagement. We're, we are seeing a good amount of you are tuning into those shows and enjoying them. So um, would love to continue uh, the commentary with Foundation and other shows that are coming out this year as well that we have not announced yet. Yeah. And a year from now, Silo Season 2. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So uh, until next episode, until you tune in on Wednesday for Foundation, we have a newsletter you can subscribe to in our description where you can join the Soapbox Club and keep up with us on... We're planning right now quarterly newsletters and we are also getting up some video um, podcasts on YouTube, hopefully in the nearish future. So I don't think I'm missing anything, Zach. You can do the rest of the outro, sir. Alrighty. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Silo by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We are on YouTube at Soapbox Podcast Network, so be sure to take a look at us there. We've got a few different playlists with the different shows that we've been covering. And you can visit our website at soapbox.house, email us at contact at soapbox.house. And again, we do have a link in the description below to sign up for our quarterly newsletter. So hopefully we see you there. Until next time, have a great week.